Welcome to Renovate, the young adult ministry of Christ Chapel Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We are for all young adults. Whether you're far from God or walking close to Him, we believe that our God fully knows us and fully loves us. So instead of leaving us as He finds us, He is constantly and graciously renovating our lives so we can look more like Him. Enjoy this week's message. Amen. Praise God. Hey, Renovate, welcome. It's really, really good to see you. Uh, Really, really good to worship with you and really, really good to get to open God's word uh, and to meet together and to gather together. Uh, Let me give you a quick preview. Um, If you don't know who I am, my name is Ben and I'd love to meet you. Uh, I'd love to get to know you. My name is Ben Fuquay and I'm uh, one of the young adult pastors who gets to be a part of this ministry and and I love it. Um, Let me me just show you kind of where we're going uh, tonight and really over the course of the semester. Uh, We're stepping into a series called To Know and Be Known. Uh, and, and Josh and I have honestly worked really hard over the, the course of the summer uh, to create 16 weeks of content um, and 16 weeks of really diving into what it looks like to know God and then also to be known in community and, and what that means for us and how we do that and how we get to that and, and what's healthy and what's not healthy. And so uh, we, are, we are stoked to be able to walk through that. And like Josh said earlier, uh, what's going to happen is we're only going to gather in this room four of those 16 weeks. Um, but then the other 12 weeks, uh, we've designed it in a way where um, we want you to get in a renovate group, not because we care about how many renovate groups we have, but because as we thought about what this kind of pandemic resistant community would look like, uh, we knew that it had to be an actual biblical community. This is so sweet. We love this. I have missed this, missed this, but this is not all we're designed for. This is a part of what we're designed for. We're also designed to really be known and really be in community. And so next week, there will be content that actually Josh preaches that renovate groups won't just watch on a screen, they'll interact with and take and put in practice together. And so uh, that's where we're going tonight and the next six weeks, 16 weeks to know and to be known. And so we want you to be in that community so you can actually live out what we're talking about, not just show up to a show and listen to us talk about wouldn't it be nice if, but actually put it in practice three out of four weeks. Uh, And so we're excited about that. Tonight, what I'm gonna do is kind of preview that and specifically talk about a big part of the design uh, that we're called to. And so I'm gonna tell uh, two stories. One of them is gonna be unbiblical and the other one is going to be from the Bible, uh, Genesis 2 to be exact. And we're gonna see one of the things that we are radically designed for. Um, And when we do that, we're gonna talk about what happens when we don't have it. Uh, and, And when we get malnourished in those ways and where to find it, and we're gonna end with hope tonight. And so remember that time I was gonna tell you an unbiblical story. This is it. So my buddy Brian, this was a few years ago, true story. And this has, this has a point, believe it or not, this is going somewhere, it has a point. Uh, he was dating a girl, really wanted to impress her and really liked this girl a ton, biggest crush he'd ever had. And, and he was smitten with this girl. He's over at her apartment and, and they're just hanging out and her roommate comes out of her roommate's room and comes out and she's all fired up and she's, and she's, she's passionate about something. And she says, I wanna get a pet monkey. Yes, right? You know, yeah. Um, okay, so she's like, I want to get a pet monkey. Listen to this story. Take notes because it's important. Um, she's like, I want to get a pet monkey. I, I, why do I not have a pet monkey? She lives in downtown Dallas. And so she was like, of course, I should have a pet monkey. I'm entitled to that. And so, um, and so she's like, man, let, let me. And so my buddy Brian, because he knows, he knows this is an opportunity, right? The opportunity to his girl's heart, is, we all know, is through the friend. 
right? If he can get the best friend on board with him, and if he can save the day there, then he gets the girl, the always prophetic, always above reproach Spice Girls said it best when they said, if you wanna be my lover, you gotta get with my friends. They knew, right? They knew. So he's like, all right, great opportunity. I'm gonna help get this. So literally, true story, uh, this is a few years ago, they drove to a backfield behind a La Quinta outside Waco, Texas, and found a trailer park that sells exotic animals if you hand them the right amount of money of cash in an envelope. And so he literally drove to this field, found this like trailer park community and there was like some double wides and they walk through them and they find all kinds of exotic animals. It's a, at least it was a real thing a few years ago. Um, and they, and they, found all the, they found the monkey trailer and they went straight to the monkey trailer and they went through and for only $3,500 in cash, right, that they handed the shady fellow, he gave them a dog crate with an actual monkey, an actual live monkey. It was a, um, a pygmy Marmoset, right? So I don't know, you all know what that is, I'm sure, but I didn't. Um, it's a tiny little cute monkey, right? Just really tiny little guy. And they walked out of there, this field, got back in their Honda Accord behind a La Quinta, drove back to Dallas with a pygmy marmoset, tiny monkey, get it back into their uptown Dallas apartment, right? Let it out of his cage. It immediately runs under the bed, no big deal, except it finds a hole and crawls into the box springs. Then they spend the rest of 24-hour period of time trying to get the monkey out of the box springs. And so they take the box springs, they get the bed, and they put it up, and he's a tiny little, y'all should Google this monkey one day, not while I'm preaching, but one day you should Google what that monkey is. Everybody pulled out their phones just now. I lost them. Um, And it's just swinging in between the springs and a box spring, just swinging back and forth like cute marmoset, pygmy marmosets do. And it just was swinging around in there and it took them an hour to finally bait it out of there. Um, They got it free. They duct taped the box spring. If it wasn't the box spring, it was a vase it broke. If it wasn't a vase it broke, it's getting caught in the dishwasher. If it wasn't the dishwasher, it was the disposal, right? Like it just was a disaster, right? Because this girl's apartment was not the habitat. That monkey was not designed to live in a habitat of Ikea furniture and, right, an anthropology decoration, right? Like, that's not the design that that monkey lived. It ended up falling off of the balcony about a year later, um, <laughs> which, um, <laughs> sorry, <clears throat> which isn't funny, guys. Um, story took a dark turn there, Josh. I should have thought through that better. Um, I don't want to depress everyone at the first renovate back. Um, it did fall off the balcony. Uh, it's fine. It's fine, ladies. It lives at a monkey ranch now and is very happy and eats bananas and swings on trees. The monkey's fine. Everything's good. It bonked its head, but it's good. Uh, the point, right? Believe it or not, the point of that, what was my point? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> The point, part of that is, man, I missed you guys, and I just wanted a good story as an emotional hug for y'all because I missed you. The other point is, um, right, like, that's ridiculous. True story, but that's ridiculous. Oh, by the way, he did get the girl. Uh, I officiated their wedding, like, last winter. So, guys, it works, yes. (laughs) Single men, women can be bought for $3,500 monkeys uh, in back alleys behind La Quinta's outside Waco. Waco. All right, the point is this, man, it's ridiculous, right? It's ridiculous because that monkey is not designed for that, right? Like that's not, that's not how that monkey is supposed to live, 
right? You don't do that. You don't, you don't take an animal and put it in uptown Dallas to try to live in a, in a two-bedroom apartment. Um, we have been living in a way that we are not designed in the last five to six months. We as the body of Christ, we as believers, because of the circumstances of our world, because we're trying to love our neighbors well, because we're trying to be wise, because we're trying to submit to our authorities, we are living in a world that is not the way we're designed for. We're not designed to live in the chaos and the brokenness of isolation and quarantine, and we are literally made for something different. Look, look with me to this story, the biblical story, Genesis 2. And we'll put it up on the screen for you as well if that's, if that's easier. Genesis 2, here's what happens. Then the Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, and to the birds of the heavens, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Here's, a, here's what I want us to see from this. And I need to do some explaining here. We, our creator, has built us to be in community, right? Our creator has designed us to be in community. It is not good. We see from the second chapter in Genesis, the second chapter in the Bible, we see that it's not good for man to look. God made all of this, looked at this, and said, wait a second, this isn't right. This, isn't, this, this person, this man that I've made should not be alone he built something within us and we are designed, renovate, we are designed for community. We're designed for it, right? And we're living in these times and these circumstances that make that so hard to really experience and really understand. And so let me be sensitive about a couple of things. One of them is um, those of you who are here, those of you who are live streaming, we love you, we see you, we have not forgotten about you. We're so glad you're live streaming. Every one of these will be live streamed. Um, so if you ever feel uncomfortable with this or, or if you ever are showing symptoms or whatever you need, that is a resource to you to continue to, to walk with us through this series. Uh, we love you, we know you. I'm not here to, to beat us up anymore, to pour salt in the wound of something that really feels like a pretty obvious wound. Yeah, I know we need more. I know we need community, Ben. Way to go, thanks. We're not here to pour salt in a wound. But we are here to look honestly with the brokenness of the design and find our hope and push us towards that hope and push us towards what, what God has made us to be along with just understanding how he's made us so that it would make us long for Jesus even more. That's, that's our hope for a night like this is that we can long for Jesus more as we look at what he's designed and even look at the ways that maybe our hearts and lives right now, like Josh said in the welcome, feel malnourished in some ways. How do we step back into that? How do we nourish our souls? Even when we, we won't be able to gather every week, how do we really go deep? And so uh, we see that in scripture. We see a command and we see what we're, we're missing, honestly, um, when we don't have that. I wanna make one more observation about Genesis 2 um, before I jump into to kind of the, the, the four pillars of what we're gonna be talking about tonight. Um, it's this. I think a lot of people use Genesis 2, and I don't blame them for this, but um, just a verse that someone would preach to say, man, if you're single, uh, then then 
you're missing it, right? Uh, and, and obviously marriage is a good thing and marriage is designed by God and it's an it's a incredible blessing. Um, but I would actually argue that that's not necessarily what he's talking about here. He's actually talking about community. Um, and so there's a lot of times where you might feel, man, let me tell you this. You are not, if you are single, right? I know there's a lot of people who are not, they're in school, they're working hard, they're not necessarily looking to get married right now. There's also a lot of married couples in this room and, and watching as well. And so if you're single and, and a husband or a wife is something that you desire in this season, um, I get it, that's a good thing, and I want that for you. We genuinely want that for you. That's a, a blessing. We'll pray to that end. But you are not incomplete. You are not incomplete because you're single. And I would actually make the argument, right, that even Paul says, he says that, man, it's better for some people to just stay single if they can. That if, if they can, there's so much work to be done in certain contexts of people and the mission that's on their plate. And, and the, honestly, if they can stay single, he says, stay single if you can do that. But Paul never argues that you shouldn't be in biblical community. And so I would argue that really the community we're talking about is not just like, a, oh man, I need a spouse. That's a good thing. And, and if you want that, there's nothing wrong with that. But biblical community that we're talking about is, is the body of Christ. It's brothers and sisters and that is available. And for those who are, are waiting in hope that they, they would get a spouse, biblical community is available now. And you are not incomplete while you wait. So just be encouraged if that's where you are and if you wrestle with that. That even Genesis 2 and, and even in, in contrast with all of the rest of Scripture that just constantly says, don't be without community. Don't be without biblical community. Don't miss being known. Um, it's our design to be in that community. And if we don't have it, Right? There's ways that we're going to miss out on some things. And so let me take you to uh, really one verse that we're going to camp out on the, the rest of this time. It's one verse, and it's just really that rich. And it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. And the, the Thessalonians were people that Paul, who, who wrote this verse and wrote that book, Loved. I mean, these were his people. He loved these people. Um, the, the, the church there was, he adored them. And, and he makes that clear throughout his letters, right? He calls out some of his other churches and he's like, oh man, the Galatians again. And oh man, Corinthians, what's going on? But he loves this church. And this is chapter five. It's his last chapter in his letter to them. And so it's really his exclamation point to this church that he absolutely adores. And look, look what he says in verse 14, look what he exhorts them to do. And this is, this is where we're gonna be the rest of the night. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. There are things that we're going to miss out on when we're not in biblical community. One of them is we miss out on admonishment. Right, we miss out on admonishment. We see it here, right? That we're we're to admonish each other. We're to admonish the idol. Uh, admonish, a biblical dic- dictionary would define admonishment as gentle reproof, counseling against a fault, instruction in duties, caution, direction, church discipline, public or private uh, re- uh, reproof. Right. The idea of admonishment is this idea that we have blind spots in our lives. There are things in my life that I don't see that I need someone else to admonish. I need someone to speak in. I need someone to to challenge blind spots in my life that I don't see, and we're designed for that. When we're in community, community is designed. So when I'm not in community, I'm missing out on admonishment. How it's looked in my life, there's this pastor. His name's Tyler Durham. He works here. He's my boy. Uh, Tyler one time came up to me, and he said, hey, Ben, don't wear a black belt with brown shoes. I used to do that a lot. 
Stop wearing black belts with brown shoes. Apparently that's frowned upon. Yeah, okay, good. Thank you. Uh, Right? Okay, great. Admonishment. Check. Life changed. I rarely wear black belts with brown shoes now. And when I put on my belt, I think of Tyler Durham and what he's spoken to my life. Life changed. Check. He also one time said, Ben, you're wasting your gifts. God has gifted you. Those aren't gifts for you or about you. And there are gifts in your life that you're wasting because you're being a lazy punk. And it's not about your glory. And so stop, right? And that, I would argue, is even far more loving because the challenge was much more eternal and challenging to say, man, I need to step into this more. There are things that I'm wasting and being foolish with that my brother loved me enough in community to be able to speak into my life, to admonish me and challenge me and push me because we're called to that. We need that. We miss out on that if we're not in that community. And that's vulnerable, right? That's a vulnerable thing to to be challenged like that. Um, We're actually gonna talk about vulnerability next week, right? Next week in a renovate group, Josh is gonna walk through what that looks like and how we do that right and and put that into a a safe way to be able to practice that because we need that. We need vulnerability. Um, There's blind spots in our life and sometimes it hurts when they're called out. Sometimes it hurts to be challenged, but we need that. And sometimes those blind spots are sin, right? Things that we're doing, things that we're walking in that we shouldn't, things that we don't even see that we're doing. But sometimes Sometimes it's just perspective, right? Sometimes it's just being challenged and admonished in ways that aren't just necessarily overt sin, but just ways that, man, me as a follower of Christ, I'm not as well-rounded and is not as glorifying to God in that way. Um, I, I think about the disciples who walked with Jesus, right? There are these 12 guys, and their backgrounds were so remarkably different. Right, the biblical community of the disciples of Jesus. We've got tax collectors and just religious zealots and pharisaical people and and dirty fishermen and all these people who all have these different ideologies and worldviews and perspectives coming in and they're all in the same boat because it's the boat with the Messiah. And all of those other things, they lay at the feet of the one, the Messiah who they love and who they follow and who they learn is who he said he is. And that community is this diverse community of people who have very different backgrounds and perspectives. Um, somewhere along the way, we've lost the ability to do that. Somewhere along the way, we've lost the ability to interact in godly ways with believers who have different perspectives and different experiences than me and different backgrounds. And I think we're missing a part of the deep end of the church when we do that. We're missing a part of the deep end of fellowship when we when we aren't fellowshipping with people whose stories look really different, serve and worship and surrender to the same God, but whose stories look really different. And if you look around your biblical community, if you look around your biblical community and everybody in your community has, has this, the same basic background and the same basic worldview and the same basic ideology, and I think there's ways that we can be sharpened in that, right? If, Everybody in your inner circle all kind of believes the same thing and experience the same thing, then we're missing some things there. I'm not saying that's evil. I'm not even telling you to apologize for that. You don't have to apologize or feel bad about that. I'm just saying you might be in the shallow end. There might be something deeper. There might be a deeper way to to engage in community. I'm not saying it's evil. I'm not saying you have to apologize that all your friends just happen to believe pretty much the same thing and kind of have a similar upbringing. I'm just saying you're still 
potentially in the shallow end that might need to be challenged to say, okay, let me go sit in fellowship with some people whose stories look different, who, who have some different ideologies and some different backgrounds than I do without fear, but instead with unity out of love to build that biblical community that we're called to, to actually be challenged, to actually be admonished. Um, a, a year ago, um, I sat with a brother at Press Cafe had breakfast, and man, he really challenged me, right? He spoke into my life in some ways, and he had some different perspectives on stuff that weren't my perspectives, and he has a, his education has looked very different than my education, and, and what he spent time studying looks very different than what I'd spent time studying the last decade, but we serve and love the same God, and we are both filled with the Holy Spirit, and so he lovingly got to really challenge me in some things, and I walked away challenged and admonished, but also loved and sharpened. And I don't know that I even agree with everything he said, but I walked away and I was like, man, that's, I didn't have that perspective and that was important for me and I'm still trying to learn that. Um, let me say this too, um, little, quick little caveat. Social media is not your community. Social media isn't your community, right? I think we know that, but I don't think we always practice that. Social media is a great platform to debate ideas. But if you think, well, I, I debate ideas and I wrestle with people who have very different ideas, but what you mean is on social media, you interact with that, those are not your friends, right? Those are technically your friends. I understand how that works. Um, I am on Facebook. Uh, you might have friends who are also your Facebook friends, but that is not the platform for the gospel church to engage in. Not that we shouldn't engage in and wrestle with ideas, but don't think by doing that, that you are practicing biblical admonishment, right? You might need to engage in the forum and the marketplace of ideas and, and challenge thoughts and all of those things, right? You might, that might be something that you feel led to do, but certainly don't make the mistake of thinking, well, I hear other ideas on social media all the time. That's not the biblical community we're talking about. What I'm talking about is sitting across from somebody and having a cup of coffee who their life looked very different than my life that their experiences are different, but man, we worship the exact same God. We worship the same God and we submit to the same God and our foundation is the same. And fellowshipping with that, sitting in a living room, being in a renovate group, right? Being in community with somebody else who doesn't share those things. I personally, I might get in trouble for this, but personally, I lean pretty politically conservative, right? I lean pretty politically conservative, my, my own personal views, right? I need to be around people who love Jesus who lean politically liberal, right? Because I don't think that my political view is my foundation because my hope is absolutely not in my political ideology, right? I might go vote in November, but I'm not going to a poll to worship. I do not find my hope in my political ideology or my worldview. And so for that reason, it allows me to say, yeah, I lean conservative on, on a lot of issues, but I can fellowship and I need to fellowship with somebody who leans differently so that I get a bigger view of who Jesus is. Because as soon as all of a sudden my ideologies or worldviews or my background become my gospel, then all of a sudden I'm standing on a false gospel. So we need that around people. A black man gets shot seven times in the back might affect somebody else differently than it affects me. And as a believer, I need to sit with a brother in Christ and a sister in Christ and I need to learn how to grieve and I need to learn how to listen to how, how that might affect somebody else in ways that maybe it didn't affect me. And I want to learn and grieve so that I can be closer to the heart of Jesus and so I can represent compassion. Surely we can do that. 
Surely I don't have to be defensive or feel attacked by someone else's grief. Surely we as believers and followers of Christ make our foundation Jesus to where I can listen and hurt and pray. Pray with others. And I might even listen and I might not even agree with, we might talk about what would be a next step from this grief and I might not even agree with what that next step is. But surely I can still sit with them and love them well and not break fellowship and learn and learn why that affects them and learn how they see it and love them well. Surely we can do that as the body of Christ. Surely I don't have to be afraid because my rock, my foundation of Christ, the Messiah I'm in the boat for, he's not, gonna, he's not threatened. He's not threatened by somebody else's voting track record or somebody else's ideology. Somewhere along the way, I feel like we've lost our ability to do that. And when we do that, I think it neuters our ability to have biblical community that really shapes us. It neuters my ability to really hurt with people who hurt differently than I do and grieve with people who grieve differently than I do and get passionate about things that, man, I wouldn't have thought to be passionate about that. That's, that's man, that's good. I want to lean in. I want to learn more. Praise God, it's not all about admonishment. Praise God, it's not all about just sit in a room and be challenged and all the Enneagram nines in the room are like, biblical community sucks, right? <laughs> Praise God that there is also encouragement, right? Praise God that one of the pillars, one of the things we're missing out on when we are not in community is we are missing out on encouragement. It's not all just challenging each other, right? Like if, if we're just debating, challenging hard ideas, no, 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 it's, it's I leave, that breakfast I had with this brother in Christ, I left challenged, but I also left super encouraged. He spoke encouragement in my life, I spoke encouragement in his life, right? We were in fellowship, and so we miss out on encouragement when we're not in real biblical community. Um, Paul talks about this idea of that we should be building each other up, right? Which I just think is such a beautiful picture, Right? The idea of like encouragement being this idea that, man, we're building up someone's house. We're building up their life. I'm laying a block in their life when I speak what is true and speak what is encouraging in their life. Um, I think it's really important, though, that we define encouragement correctly, right? I think a lot of times we uh, will, will mistake flattery and encouragement. For example, if I say to my wife, Danielle, hey, you're purdy, and I would like for us to kiss soon, right? That would be, first of all, that would be creepy if I said it that way. But, right, that would be flattery, right? It is true, but that would be flattery, right? Encouragement would be, would be me telling my wife, look what I see God doing in you. The, the way that you love our sons, the way that you nurture our sons, I see God using you, Danielle, to craft their view of God's character as a nurturing father, the way that their mom loves them and nurtures them is crafting for my two sons a proper perspective of how nurturing our heavenly father is. And so I can speak that into her life and I'm convicted because I don't speak that into her life. So babe, I mean it. Uh, good, props, gonna kiss later probably because of that. Um, <laughs> I, I, we speak encouragement because look what I see God doing. Look what I see God, how God is using you. Right, encouragement and flattery. Flattery is about just making someone feel good about themselves. Encouragement is not about making somebody feel good about themselves. Encouragement is about pushing them towards Jesus and recognizing and giving God glory for what I see in your life. That's encouragement, right? That's what we're called to be. That's what we miss out on when we're not 
in Christ. Not that we walk into community and they say, oh, I love that skirt. That's cute. It might be a good skirt. That's fine. But that's not encouragement. Encouragement is look what I see in your life. Look who I see God's wired you to be. Look at, look at this trial you went through and how you came out on the other end. Um, Paul even talks about this concept uh, all throughout the New Testament of our weaknesses, meaning that, that Christ is strong. Right? 2 Corinthians 12, specifically, he talks about this idea that, man, when, when we're weak, his strength is made perfect. And it's this idea that like, even our cracks show Jesus behind our cracks if we're in Christ. That like the cracks in your life, the vulnerability in your life actually shines more Jesus out of your life. And so we don't just speak in, hey, I love what's on the outer shell. We speak into people's lives and biblical community and say, I love what God's doing inside of you. And man, even when we see cracks, we're like, man, but God is still strong in you. God is still doing work in you. God is still worthy and at work in you. Flattery isn't bad. It's just not the same as biblical encouragement. Encouragement is really affirming and pushing them to Jesus. And biblical encouragement takes work, right? It takes work, right? It takes knowing somebody. It takes knowing somebody to really, I can give anybody flattery that I just meet, but I've got to really know somebody and I've really got to know Jesus and I've really got to be praying so that I can really be in community to say, man, this is what I see from Jesus in you. And that takes work, but it's worth it. And when we're not there, we miss out on that. I want you, renovate. I want you to be encouraged. I want this season, especially for some of us that are just coming out of such a drought, I want it to be such an encouraging season in your life. Whether you're in this room, whether you're watching online, that you feel encouraged in this season. But that's not gonna happen once a month by me or once a week or once a day by listening to somebody. It's gonna happen because you're known that somebody sees Jesus in you and speaks that over you. Third thing we miss out on is we miss out on help we desperately need, right? We miss out on this help that we desperately need. First Thessalonians 5.14, remember it said, he urges us to admonish the idle, to encourage the faint-hearted, to help the weak, right? There's this story, it's um, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but it's a story that maybe some of you have heard. Um, guy was paralyzed, right? He's, he's paralyzed. Jesus is doing his thing, which is awesome, Everyone knows, man, Jesus is something special and they're not, a lot of people are not quite exactly sure, but they know he feeds you and he knows he does miracles and people get their eyesight back. Man, our friend is hurting. He's paralyzed. Maybe we can take him to Jesus. And so what do they do? They put him on a mat and they carry him to the house that Jesus is at. But of course, it's Jesus. And so the house is just swamped and there's people filling up. This was obviously pre-COVID. And so it's just people everywhere without masks, Right. And they're dragging him to the door and you can't get in and there's no space to wiggle this guy through to get to Jesus who's in this living room. Climb up on the roof, remove the roof, right? Remove the thatch from the roof and they lower their friend who's paralyzed down in front of Jesus. And Jesus heals him, says, get up, you have faith. And he has faith, get up and take your mat and walk. And man, when we're in biblical community, we have this help that we're designed to have. When we're not in biblical community, we miss out on this help we desperately need. We're designed to receive help. Most of us in here and watching are Americans though, and we don't want help, right? We're gonna do it. We're gonna pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We don't wanna ask for help. We got this. We're designed for it. We need it. It's hard to ask for, but it is so biblical. It's so biblical to ask for that. 
And honestly, this is a difficult season. And I know there are people watching and in this room who have felt like they are paralyzed. They have felt like they are paralyzed with anxiety and discouragement and depression and loneliness. I so badly want you to be in community that can say, man, let me help you. Let me drag you. Let me do tangible things for you, whatever that looks like, to personify how God loves us and how healing he is, that we'd be a community that would rush into helping each other, that you would be known enough to people to know what you need help, whether that's tangible physical needs, whether that's emotional needs, financial needs that we as the body of Christ can run and help those who are hurting because we are all hurting in one season or the other. Last one is this. Last thing we're missing out on. We miss out on people modeling Christ-likeness. Um, here's where I'm getting that. It says in, at the end of verse 14, right? It says, all the, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and then it says, be patient with them all. Right, so the, the fourth kind of admonition, right, the, the, fourth, um, the fourth exhortation here from Paul is this idea that, okay, be patient with them all. And this really is the idea of, okay, well, why isn't the fourth pillar we miss out on patience? Because patience isn't the point. Christ-likeness is the point, right? Patience is the fruit of Christ-likeness. And so in being patient to someone else, right, the importance of me being patient to someone I'm in community with, the beauty of that is, is not just, oh, wow, I'm patient. That's not the goal. The beauty is, Look how I represented Christ. For his glory, look how I got to show this person a picture of how Christ loves them. By being patient, I'm able to then model what Christ-likeness is. I'm able to put tangible, I'm able to bring the kingdom and make it a tangible thing in someone's life to say, I'm going to love you the way Christ loves you. I'm gonna get to personify. I'm gonna get to be the incarnate gospel that loves you the way Christ loves you. We see all throughout scripture this idea that his grace is sufficient for us. We see in, in Romans 5 that as sin increases in your life, grace abounds even more. We, we see that uh, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We see that it's, it's by grace we're saved and not of our works. All of these countless scriptures point to this idea that you have a God, you have a Father, who loves you where you are at, who says, I see you and I love you where you're at. And you say, but I am far from you, but I am hurting, but I am stuck in this sin. And he says, yeah, and my grace covers that. And he says, yeah, let my kindness of where I meet you, when I meet you where you are not supposed to be, and I meet you there while you're far from me, Watch how my kindness leads you to come to something better. Watch how my grace is so powerful to change your life. That's the gospel. Jesus took what we could not take, hung on a cross, rose again, so that all of our striving and hurting and working, we could say, I, don't, I can surrender that and put my faith in Jesus, and I am now adopted as I am, fully loved as I am, the power of the gospel, this amazing theological happen, thing happens when I put my faith in Jesus and stop trying 
and stop trying to do it on my own and stop trying to be religious enough or moral enough and I surrender to Christ and the Holy Spirit fills me and seals me and adopts me and he says, nothing will ever separate you from this love. Man, that is an unbelievable theological thing that happens in our life, theological and spiritual thing. And when you're not in community, you miss the tangible expressions of that. Because we can sit here in a worship service and say, yeah, I love that God does that for me. But practically, I don't feel it. Sometimes when the music isn't right or the mood isn't right, I don't feel loved by God. How do I feel? I, I hear it. I see what you say. I, I believe it. I don't, I don't, really, I don't really see it. How do, I don't feel it. We miss out on modeling Christ's likeness to the world around us to be able to love someone the way that Christ loves them, to be able to be patient with them, to have people in our community who are hard to love, to have people in our community who hurt, who hurt us, and to say, man, I'm gonna show you grace. And we get to model patience and grace and love and joy. We get to model the fruit of what God has done in our life for others so that they can tangibly see, wow, That is a little shadow of the way my heavenly father loves me. Wow, that community loves me. And it's a little picture of how the God of the universe loves me. And when we don't have that, then we miss out on having that community. We miss out on having that model of intimacy that's provided for us. Renovate, we love you. We want you to grow in that. Um, We don't just say all of these things that we're missing out on to pour salt in a wound. We don't just create, renovate groups and training leaders and videos and resources just because we're trying to propel uh, our ministry or videos or groups or whatever it is. We do it because we believe in it and we love you and we want you to experience, we want you to know and be known and we want you to be in biblical community. And it is available and there is hope and whether you're online or whether you're in this room that you would know the gospel first and foremost. That you didn't earn this thing and that he loves you right where you are. That you'd surrender to the gospel, right? And whether you surrendered when you were a junior high kid at summer camp or tonight is the night where you say, okay, I want that gospel. That every day we continue to say, all right, Lord, that is my hope, that is my rock, that is my foundation. And then we run into community that gets to show us the benefits of that. Would you see that play out in your life this next year? That is our absolute prayer for you. Let me pray over you and then we'll go back into worship. Father, thank you for how you love us. Thank you that you are a God who loved us first. That all of this, that the worship that we're about to do is not to earn your love anymore because we, those who are in Christ, are fully loved. And so the worship that we're about to partake in is a response because it's a bunch of people who need you. It's a bunch of people who are hurting and lonely and fearful and anxious, sad and busy and distracted, apathetic. And you are a God who heals and restores and fills and satisfies. And so not just tonight, but also tomorrow morning and Friday evening and Wednesday at lunch and all the rest of our life, would our life be a response to how you love us? 
Would our drive to get into community not be driven out of convenience for fellowship, but instead would it be marked by being challenged, by being encouraged, by being pictures of Christ and being the hands and feet of Jesus for your glory, always for your glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. We hope today's message was impactful and God used it to be part of the transforming work he wants to do in your life. Look, our desire is that this isn't just a resource you would listen to, but that this is really a community you would belong to. If you have any further questions, you just want to talk or need prayer, reach out to us. Our contact info is on the website, renovateftw.org, or connect with us on our social media, at RenovateFTW, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you again soon.